Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, say, see. If you're an American and you're professing to be a Christian, well, of course, as American citizens, what we want is accountable leadership. Engaged in the political process. Honest. You, my friend, are part of the problem and not the solution. Compassion. The church needs to rise. Rise. The Monica Matthews Monica Show. Matthew Show. Welcome back to the Monica Matthews Show. Life, love, and liberty. Thank you for signing up for my newsletters at monicamatthews.com and for my podcasts, which are up daily Monday through Friday on many download mediums. You can also tell Alexa to play the Monica Matthews podcast, and she will. I do not have an Alexa in my house because I feel like we are monitored enough. That's about as tight as my tinfoil hat gets. Now, so for those of you in New York, Mayor de Blasio says that he will um, paint the city's roadways and rename streets in each borough to honor the Black Lives Matter movement. How does that sit with you, New York? Uh, I know my call to action was please do not move to Georgia. We have enough of our own liberal lunacy that we are trying to stave off here in the state, in the great peach state. Uh, It is only by a sliver that the GOP is holding on. I want to bring something to your attention today. We're, We're voting in our primaries here uh, Republicans are, I don't know how well we're going to do, and I'm going to tell you why. The president seems to be the only one who understands the art of beating your enemy at their own game, uh, at least, you know, getting a leg up with regard to technology. I receive, I'm not sure how many text messages a day from the Trump campaign, which they captured my email um, they and, and my uh cell phone number. I wanted to remain uh, in touch with them for campaign updates, but I got to tell you, they are relentless in asking for donations, contributions, support, get out, rock the vote, all of that. That's, you know, live today. Well, the Democrats are living large today. And with regard to technology, I've received two different text messages from two different people um, who are getting text messages that are like, yo, what's up? This is Latavia for black, the black male vote. You know, we want you to, we want to make sure that you're going to get out, rock this thing and stand with us, you know, cause it's so important. And it's kind of like in this slang vernacular of like, Hey, what's up? Yo, 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 this is yo, yo, my yo, yo pop. <laughs> and, um, I'm thinking to myself, huh, where's the Becky message? to the GOP to get out, rock the vote. I have to tell you, I didn't receive a single email from a GOP candidate. I did from various chairmen, um, county GOP 
officials uh, reminding us of what today is and who they put their support behind primarily people who did not have um who did not have an opponent because that's the proper thing to do during a primary um or didn't have a republican opponent but um yeah so what does that tell you i i really hope you're paying attention in these primaries because one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to be galvanized by the results of today or you're going to be deflated and apathetic. Those are really the only two things I see coming out of today. So either the numbers will be so shocking and we will have um, lost ground today as Republicans or we're going to see a surge in folks willing to stand out in two-hour-long lines. Um, you know, weird stuff going on, too, at least here in my state. Our Secretary of State's office is going to have a lot to answer for already. The mayor of Atlanta, you know, shouting people down on Twitter. Why are we in line? Voter machines are not working. Some of the polls are closed, of course, because, you know, COVID-19 closed uh, a lot of polling stations. We weren't even sure that people would be able to get out and rock the vote today. Uh, others saying that people who never applied for an absentee ballot, there are over 400,000 additional absentee ballots that were sent in in the state of Georgia. I don't know about your state. Love to hear from you on that. The bottom line is, is that regardless of what's happening in my state or your state, there is an end game at play. And if you don't think for two seconds that then unless we do take this by another landslide, and even then we're still going to have four more years of hell to pay for it. Um, I, I want you to understand something. This is not the time to stand still with regard to your vote and exercising your vote. It is so important for us to land a home for our RNC convention, for God's sakes. I mean, right now the RNC is homeless. We do not have a home for our electors to come together and nominate the president. These are people who are going to vote for your president. They will be responsible for voting for your president in the coming months. We currently do not have a home to do that. What does that tell you? When the governor of North Carolina is okay with, quote, protesting, right, in mass, by the way, without masks, but whenever it comes to the Republican, and he's a Democrat governor, by the way, but when it comes to the Republican and, and our ability to coalesce, and to uh, come together as we have, you know, forever um, at our own convention, there are stipulations put on us that would literally prohibit, um, you know, that our delegates, our entire delegation for that matter. So the president was right in saying, no, that's okay. We'll just find another home. So Georgia's on the short list. I'm definitely hoping it's Savannah and not Atlanta. That would be a complete disaster. Um, as much as I think our city could use the money um, for another slush fund, I think it's incumbent upon it would be it it would be unforgivable for us to host the RNC here in the city of Atlanta. It's just a, it, it is a mess waiting 
to happen. Um, you know, I mentioned yesterday about the Kente cloth and watching Democrats led by, you know, Nancy Pelosi uh, in the House kneeling for nearly nine minutes. Poor thing, had a hard time getting off the floor after that. But, um, you know, just this this posturing, this political mess that they do. Um, you know, today is the funeral of George Floyd. I personally do not think the man could get in the ground another second sooner. Uh, God rest his soul. Horrid, tragic death. Tragic life. Very tragic life. I, I think it's fascinating that he will be canonized throughout the country by Democrat municipalities and states as well as your congressmen and women. And you and you got to know, the Republicans are not immune to this uh, political posturing. They're just not. Um, I've seen it here in my own state. People are afraid, once again, to speak the truth to a matter. For instance, you know, the stock market has surged back to where we were before COVID-19. I don't know if you're aware of that. But the, the ten, but the but the danger is in thinking that we are actually out of the danger zone because we're not. And my producer brought to my attention today that people right upon the verge of the depression were still shouting, no, we're good. We're good. We're okay. This is not who we are. Remember, I shouted a few folks down on Twitter and in my newsletter this week for saying this is not who we are. And I'm like, no, it is exactly who we are. Whatever that is. For us to say, stop it, America. This isn't who we are. We don't loot. I understand you're trying to remind people of who we are. But you know what, folks? For some folks, that really is who they are. It's not enough for us to continue down the road of the emperor has new clothes. Because our emperors have no clothes and for us to stand by to complicitly cheer them on with but that's not who we are I mean what links are you really ready to go to to convince yourself and others that this isn't who we are as a nation to burn down our own nation as far as I'm concerned there's only five states uh, and including Alaska who can honestly say that's not who we are because they did not succumb to the madness the rest of the country took part in. And you have to ask yourself, how, why, you know, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, Alaska, I mean, these are states that said, "Mm, that's actually, we're not going to go there because it's not who we are. I'm going to let you draw your own conclusions as to why that is. But if it's so systemic, you know, it's just not, it's almost like having a rotten tooth and pulling out all of your teeth for dentures right? That you always have to contend with. They're not the same. You got to glue them in. You got to take them out. You got to, you know, but having a few bad apples in your police departments, and I know that just peeves some of you when I say that. Well, it's just a few bad apples ruined for everybody. It's still systemic. 
No, we have made great strides so that the system actually works against others who are more qualified for certain things. Maybe they didn't have the same opportunity, but they sought it. They worked for it. They actually bought into the idea that they could have a better life. And so they sought it out and they made it happen as many of our black brothers and sisters have. But to say, let's just do away with law and order because of a few rotten teeth. Let's just take out all of our teeth and put in some form of denture. And what's the polygrip going to look like? I mean, you got to ask yourself that. Well, what is that going to look like? If you're going to do away with your police officers, your police departments, then why wouldn't you do away? Speaking of systemic, I mean, if you want, if you want to understand what the systemic issue is, then for sure, if you're going to take down police departments, you need to take down these DAs that you elect, prosecutors, uh, some of your, most of your judges, oh my gosh, I'm about to go vote. And I look at some of the judges on my ballot and I'm like, huh, nope, not in two hells would I, would I vote for that person because I know what their political leaning is. And I'm going to tell you something. I've said it for five years on my show, faith, life, and politics is how my show started. That was my tagline. And I told you then, and I'm going to tell you now that your faith precedes every decision you make in this life, every man and woman, even atheists and agnostics, that is their faith. They will bring that belief system into every office they hold in life as a parent, as a child, as a son, daughter, grandparent, nephew, uncle, cousin, niece, worker, professional, elected official, police officer, judge, attorney, you name it. It all goes back to your morality. So you have to look at the moral compass of people in Montana. If you don't want to make it a race issue, if you don't want to make it a, a cultural, ethnic issue, um, it, it, well, let's just say ethnic, right? If you don't want to make it a black and white issue, how about that? Because the culture of Montana, the culture of Idaho, the culture of North Dakota, the culture of South Dakota, the culture of Wyoming, the culture of Alaska is not one predicated upon violence, mistrust, distrust, entitlement, uh, things that we see in urban areas that really are the malignancies that pour out into the rest of the country. So when I, when I tell my fellow brothers and sisters, my, my, my patriots in New York, Hey, we love you, but we don't want you here in the state of Georgia. If you voted for the lunacy that you are now under rule of with, we don't, we don't need you here because we have our own serious issues here in the state of Georgia with regard to Democrat quote leadership. So we're already being run into our own sewage. We don't need you to come and help vote for more. Um, so sorry, if you don't like what you have up there, then vote them out and change your street signs back. You know, I knew we were had here in the city of Atlanta when our city council spent more time and effort debating on whether or not to take down, con, you know, Confederate lane in Midtown, um, in these little, you know, prissy, pristine, uh, old historical neighborhoods that are beautiful, that line, uh, that surround a, a historical park here in the city of Atlanta, 
to take down Confederate Avenue and name it, you know, I don't know, Unity Avenue or something. Um, and, and remember, I told you then, and I'm telling you now, that was who we were then. Sign changes don't make us something that we're really not. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can change signs. You can, you can change. Some people change their names. You know, for some of you, you're like, wow, why did someone so change their name? Because, because some people, you know, go from Saul to Paul literally in their lives. It doesn't mean that the tendency to, you know, the propensity of the human nature is to always want to veer back to the Saul nature, right? But Saul was a murdering Jew of Christians. Paul met Christ along his path and was forever changed by that experience. I dare say the majority of us need to have another on the, on the path on the road to Damascus experience with the mind of Christ. You got to ask yourself about these states. They can honestly say this isn't who we are. The rest of us can't say that. And I know that really rubs some of you because you're like, well, damn it, that wasn't me out there protesting. That wasn't me out there uh, violating, you know, life and, and property and molesting the rights of others. That, that wasn't me holding up business and uh, imposing curfews and restrictions on everyone because of, you know, malicious behavior and terroristic behavior. That wasn't me. So, no, that's not who I am. No, but have you voted? Did you stay home? Did you vote for people who are now okay with this? Did you vote for Republicans who are kowtowing? Then yeah, it is who you are. So we have to get honest. You know, in ministry, the first thing you get to is the honesty of the situation. And when people are not willing to get honest about who they really are, what they've really been practicing, there's really no hope for that. Not at that point in time. I think you just have to hit a real bottom and not keep putting lipstick on the pig. But as humans, that's what we do. You know why? Because we really are so ugly as humans, as humanistic, secular beings without the mind of Christ, which is the mind of liberty, by the way, the mind of forgiveness, the mind of love. We really are just that nasty. We just are. I've said it from the beginning, and I'll say it again. The Constitution was birthed, I believe, in the heart, in the soul, in the mind of God. So when people try to tell me that God is not an American God, I understand what they're saying. I understand that. But I disagree. Because I believe that America belongs in the heart and the bosom of God. And that is who we really are. But notice who is at the head of the table of what I just said. It's not you. It's not me. It's not our elected leaders and officials. It's not our sports divas. It's not our entertainment divas. It's God, right? In God, we trust. And if God is love, if God is justice, and God is order, then where are we? I also want to... I want to bring your mind back to remembrance of for the pursuit of um, 
the pursuit of happiness as it relates to our constitution was first the pursuit of property. Why is that important? Because the socialist mantra is to distinguish between you and your property because they desire to be the property and they desire for you to be the property of the government. So we all belong to each other, right? As socialists, which is why it's so dangerous. It is a complete antithesis and contrast to, uh, to liberty, to everything that most of you listening to my show stand for. So when you talk about how can people terrorize and destroy private property because there's no extension of someone else's property to themselves. That is not how the mind of a particular voting block works. We provide housing in the way of section eight and we think that it is a fabulous thing. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't provide for the poor because I am a Christian that is one of the number one tenets of my faith is to provide for the poor. But what is the greatest thing you could provide for the poor? To first make sure they're fed and clothed and sheltered, then teach them how to do it for themselves and why they have a God-given right, a unique individuality to be able to pursue that for themselves. That is compassion. But why is it so easy for some of us? We are complicit in writing the checks, in, in upholding this, in, in, and pandering with political propaganda, especially as Republicans, that this is where we're, HUD housing, our HUD here in the city of Atlanta is in shambles, our HUD program. We don't even know where half of the millions of dollars are. Secretary Carson's already threatened to stamp us out of the, you know, the book of the living uh, as funds go here in the state, in the city of Atlanta, because people aren't, their funds aren't being distributed. They're not allocated to where they need to go. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? People are left out of the HUD pool or they utilize it so that we're, you know, suckered into, um, well, look, you have 20% of our new $50 billion project is going to house, you know, HUD recipients, but we did, we're just going to neglect to tell you that it's only for the next five years. And after that, they're just SOL and they got to find another bridge to live under. Sorry, but at least it made you feel good. White person. It made you feel good taxpayer that that's where your taxes are going. So we can build this, you know, illustrious complex in the name of compassion. But is it really compassion? Do you know why there's no respect for property? Because people don't own their own property. They don't own their own property. So there's no respect for it. There's no care for it. When you are forever a renter, your mentality is, well, it's not mine. I'm not really invested. It belongs to someone else. So that's really who we are. We have nurtured this idea of we have, we have exploited and perverted a very lovely and true tenet of goodness, which is to care for one another, to ensure that the poor are cared for, right? We, we have taken that and perverted it to the extent where the poor have now come home to roost and they want you to be just like them. And when I say the poor, I'm talking about the poor in spirit, the poor in mind, the poor in morality, 
the poor in patriotism, the poor in understanding, the poor in wisdom. Where is wisdom? Where is wisdom? So many of you are freaking out right now because we've seen what happened in Minnesota with their uh, Minneapolis their city council members saying, hey, that's it, we're done, we're going to defund the police department. President Trump's railing against that, saying, no, we're not defunding anyone's police departments. Um, but, of course, of course, Nancy Pelosi says, well, we're going to leave that up to localities. They can do what they want to do. Um, i got to tell you, I do believe, like I said yesterday, it will be a breeding ground for Sharia. Inevitably, this is just kind of the easing in of that. They've been kicked out of the White House, thank God, uh, where Obama made a nice little cozy nest for them during his entire administration. But uh, they no longer have the ear of the president uh, to the extent that they did before. So now they have a state. You know, it's kind of, I mean, just look at Detroit. Look at other areas of stronghold that were completely torn down, just like Minneapolis was recently. I want you to pay very close attention to Minneapolis in the coming months because this is how the enemy works this is how he works in your body this is how he works in the body of this country and this is how he works in a neighborhood um, when something is completely annihilated some there's any territory that's just been wounded or hurt otherwise burned down uh, it's an opportunity for the critters and the invaders to come in and set up shop and try to take down the entire host it's really not rocket science I mean, it's how if you just study a little bit about our about the world's history and how evil uh, perpetuates, this is how it gets a stronghold. This is how the enemy gets a stronghold in your head and in your heart and your personal life. There's an offense that's been had somewhere along the way, which is what we see happening right now in our country with black versus white. This is not a real uh, lives of black people matter. This is a very nefarious movement from the dark side. And there's absolutely no pun intended meant by that whatsoever. I'm not being funny at all. This is absolutely wicked and evil at its highest level to divide us predicated upon entitlement and unforgiveness and bitterness. So there is a stronghold that takes place in someone's heart and in their mind when there has been an offense that has not been contended with through the lens of forgiveness. This is what happens. You can look somewhere in your personal life, I bet you. And in that one little area of your life, the enemy is allowed to get in and start wreaking havoc in other areas of your life because your lens becomes clouded through other areas of your life because of this one area of offense that you just either refuse to nail to the cross and allow it to be forgiven and move on or you just refuse that it is what it is. You don't want to think you're that person. We're not that people. We are not that America, but we are. We are that America. We won't forgive and we will not hold other people accountable to forgiveness. So we capitulate. And that is just as sinful as the person demanding your property, your rights, your identity. It is equally as sinful. You know why? Because you keep people held hostage to an ideology that is of the devil. It is oppressive. And now you're oppressed. They're oppressed. But you're still saying, look, we're washing each other's feet. We're reconciled. No, trust me when I tell you that the foot washing isn't going to be where this stops. Believe me. This is Life with Monica Matthews. Show me how you feel. Show me.
Now, back to public safety. I thought it would be great to bring someone on today who knows a lot about public safety, uh, who is a very dear friend of mine. We're going to talk about what could come about in the coming days with regard to private security outfits, private security firms. What's the trend that he sees happening now in the country, uh, primarily here in the state of Georgia? Um, Yeah, this is something to pay attention to. Okay, so in light of uh, cities saying, you know, city councils such as Minnesota saying, Minneapolis saying that they want to defund their police department, people are running scared. They don't understand what this is going to mean for the respective communities. We've seen looting and rioting and craziness, and the whole country seems like it's burning with the exception of five states. I thought it would be good to bring someone on who might be able to tell us, you know, what what the uptick is in in personal protection. as it relates to, you know, communities and municipalities, what does it mean for individuals and neighborhoods? Has there been an uptick in uh, people seeking, you know, help from private resources, uh, private funding? Are we going to start allocating our funding for policing? Uh, so I thought to bring on with me today a dear friend of mine, Chris Rich, who is a principal with Hawk Protection Group. Chris, thanks for joining us. Yeah, so tell me, have you guys, I mean, I know during the riots, I'm sure you guys saw an uptick, you know, for assistance. What did that, what was the primary call for help in that instance? Absolutely. We we surely saw a huge uptick. I would say more with neighborhood protection, you know, ranging from Tuxedo Park to other neighborhoods throughout uh, Atlanta. Uh, wherever the protests were held, people were, you know, they were fearful. So they were very frightened. Um, all the police were on mandatory 12-hour shifts. So their normal resources that would do the off-duty neighborhood patrols, you know, they weren't available. So it went from literally zero to 100, <laughs> I'd say, two weeks ago when this all started here in Atlanta. Yeah, I bet. So so tell me, when, when someone calls Hawk Protection Group, what what is it, like, who's responsible for, you know, I, I'm assuming you have off-duty uh, police officers as well as security uh, folks, or maybe they're all off-duty police officers. I don't know. Tell us how you guys go about selecting folks, but then who ends up being responsible? Like, what what is their jurisdiction exactly with a private protection firm? Well, any security is very different than law enforcement, so no security has arresting powers. Um, and as far as, like, our team, we do have a variety of uh, different members from different agencies. So we, you might think you're hiring a security guard. You actually might have a post-certified probation parole officer, you know, who does have, you know, arresting powers uh, per se. But um, we also have security guards, and we have uh, what you would call a bodyguard as well for person protection. So we actually, every licensed security firm in Georgia uh, has insurance. So, you know, in case something does happen, that firm is covered as well as their client. Uh, But what's going on now, you know, uh, with law enforcement, with reduced numbers, uh, you know, mandatory shifts, that kind of pull is kind of of, uh, drilled down, I would say, as far as, you know, opportunities to hire off-duty police officers. Uh, where a lot of them, you know, it kind of hurts them because they make up a lot of their salary that they don't get from uh, law enforcement with off-duty work. So it's having a trickle effect even on their personal lives financially. Okay, so Chris, let's say you get a call from an HOA who's concerned about their neighborhood safety, like we happen to have one here in my neighborhood where we call upon a protective service group. What what are the steps that you would take? Walk us through that in addressing their needs. Absolutely. Uh, I can give you two examples. There are two uh, prominent you know, neighborhoods in Buckhead that reached out this week. 
one neighborhood has a full-time off-duty officer. So in that situation, they just wanted a force multiplier to, to support that officer um, as some of the homes were close to the governor's mansion. And so we worked with the uh, the president and the security chair, and we just, you know, allocated those resources to the neighborhood. Uh, very easy, very seamless, uh, pretty much coordinated everything through an email. Uh, there was another neighborhood within Buckhead, same situation. Their officers were, were pretty much gone working uh, and still have been, been working throughout all of this, you know, during the protest. So we actually have been covering that neighborhood. Uh, we worked directly with the uh, the president of HOA for coordination, um, billing, and everything. It's very easy. If someone emails us, we can coordinate it. Uh, very transparent. Okay, so moving forward, I mean, what what are how is your firm handling your group, your protective group, um, handling talks of dismantling police departments? I mean, how are you guys positioning yourselves to either? you know, uh, say, hey, guys, that's not a good idea from a national perspective, because I know your group is national, not just here in the city of Atlanta, although we did see riots here. Um, But how are you guys, you know, how are you forecasting? Are are you advocating for the dismantling of police departments as a security firm to, you know, kind of increase your bottom line or no? (laughs) No, if anything, of course, every security firm wants their firm to grow, but we don't want it to grow this way. Uh, we actually support and work with a lot of, you know, APD uh, uh, police officers as well as Sandy Springs here in Atlanta. Uh, those guys are worried, you know. So if anything, we're, we're trying to have more dialogue. You know, that was the first thing I'd say we need to do. We work with a variety of people, white, black, you know, that are law enforcement and security. And we say, you know, we had a call. We say, how do you feel? You know, tell, you know, just get it out. So I think that's always the best way to have those comfortable conversations with these groups. And uh, law enforcement is, is fearful right now. You know, for instance, in Minneapolis, 14 quit today. 47 are slated to retire early because of what's going on. They don't feel welcomed. <laughs> That's right. a dangerous trend. So if this continues to be a trend nationally, you know, obviously that's a big concern for, I would think, anybody. I mean, security or not, yes, you know, security industry will grow uh, pretty quick, quicker than we assumed it would here um, due to all that's going on. But we don't want it to grow like this because who do you call if someone's breaking into your house <laughs> and you can't right. afford security, you know? So, well, that's been another thing I've seen online. I, that's been another thing I've seen online is, you know, well, um, and I, and honestly, Chris, I think it's because people don't understand kind of like civics 101 and, and where the money goes, where your tax dollars go. And if you're not paying taxes, you probably wouldn't understand that, that, that flow. Um, but for, for the rest of us, you know, we understand that our taxes do go to pay for, you know, law enforcement and people are saying, well, you know, what happens to those of us who can't, um, you know, afford private, private protection. And I'm thinking, well, you should have thought about that before you started demanding, you know, that the rest of us who are paying for your protection and ours start dismantling our police departments. But what do you guys do to ensure that your guys are trained in de-escalation? Do you offer training services, uh, courses and classes? Like, how do you approach that? Well, if it's a guard, we, we really, you know, don't really take anyone off the street. We'll make sure that whoever works with us already has the required Georgia 24-hour training. If it's a police officer, uh, no matter if it's a police officer, or guard, or, or a bodyguard, they all have to go through background checks. But if it's a police officer, we request something called a fact sheet. So that fact sheet really identifies, you know, how many terminations have this person had, 
are they in good standing? How many complaints have they had? Because we don't want the bad apples because we know there are bad apples out there. But you can't do a broad stroke and say that all law enforcement are bad. You know, because I can, I can play devil's advocate and say, well, I've got several black female single mother officers on our team that are worried about losing their job. They need that money. <laughs> you know, all officers are not bad. Yes, there are bad officers, but yes, there are bad teachers. There are bad doctors, bad insurance companies. You know, so, I, you know, our, right. our stance is kind of like if you're going to do a broad stroke, let's, let's review all industries. Let's get rid of all the apples. You can't just be reactive. And I think that's what's going on right now. It's causing uh, a lot of terror. But yeah. to your question, though, we definitely want good people, you know, good people who are community oriented, because that's really the core of why we're doing what we do. Everyone right. on our team is committed to the community uh, or they've had a personal, you know, experience with uh, being a victim. So um, that's okay. what we stand. We, yeah. So so you are a black gentleman. You are a black business owner. So. Yeah, I know. And a proud one at that. I love it. And so how, what are your conversations with your fellow black business owners and people within your industry? And maybe they're in your industry, maybe they're not, but they're people who are so emotionally charged right now that they just cannot separate the wheat from the chaff, the bad apples from the barrel, you know, filled with good ones. Like what is your response as a, you know, um, a father, a husband, a very well educated, educated, uh, black American male business owner. What has been your response to people? I've had a variety of questions and conversations and Zoom calls from my white, you know, set of friends who are very, you know, conservative and we, we have dialogue. I think they feel comfortable that we can have these conversations. But I've also had those conversations with my democratic black mm-hmm. friends. And, you know, I'm kind of in the middle where I agree. Yes. You know, the officer, you know, there's bad officers that's been doing this for, for a long time, adjusted right. to, um, you know, the black demographic. Um, but we, we need to be more strategic. I think we need to unite and almost in a sense to where let's let's talk, let's work together, forget parties, forget, you know, <laughs> you know, however you feel, you vote the Democrat or Republican. Uh, we need to come together because if not, I think we're at a turning point in this country. So I've kind of, you know, as I've always been, been in the middle, you know, whether um, any situation, any candidate I vote for, I want the, the right person. But mm-hmm. I think um, we just really need to have more dialogue and action and strategy, you know, beyond okay. just dialogue. We need to have something that we can actually implement to really address some of these concerns. Because it well, is. I'm, a glad you, I'm glad you said that because we, there seemed to be a lot of talking going on, a lot of emoting. Um, and, and dialoguing, you know, it seems to be kind of a one-sided conversation in a lot of respects and people who have been, you know, uh, clear thinking individuals have also been caught up in the hyperbole, the emotion of all of it. We see that from our Congress in DC, you know, down to our state legislatures and our own police departments where there's just complete unrest and there's mistrust, there's distrust, Right here in the city of Atlanta, I know of 15 officers who are ready to turn in their badges themselves. Their their morale's at an all-time low. I think there are rumors of our chief stepping down as well. 
So people are looking to, okay, who can be the sound mind? And are we even ready for a sound mind? You know, um, culture seems to be demanding that you choose one side or the other. Something I have respected about you is that you do tend to, you know, keep, you toe that middle line. And and I think it'd be good for us to be able to get back there again. Because I'd like to think that even as, you know, as a father, you would agree that, you know, you want your wife and your, your daughter to be safe. You know, safety is first. It should be. Yeah. Absolutely. And I I think, uh, you know, it's been interesting dialogue even amongst black people where, uh, for instance, the conversation or the comment that Drew Brees made, you know, some black people feel like, oh, we need to cut him off. (laughs) Regardless Mm -hmm. of all the good work he's done in New Orleans, in the community for the last several years since he's been there. And then the other side of the the table, we're like, well, we can't just cut people off. We got to forgive. We got to work through this. And that's kind of where I am right now. You know, um, we got to have dialogue. People make mistakes and they realize and understand what they did was wrong. Let's look at their track record beyond just a simple incident. How can we move past this? Because uh, if anything, you know, I tell both sides of, of the table, black, white, we got kids. We got to we got to leave this world yeah. a better place than what it is now. Then, we'll, you know, we're, or it's right. not going to be what we what we're used to, you know, right. growing up as Americans in this world. Um, but yes, this work could be done. I think it, it can be fixed. You know, I think, you know, police can be fixed with police reform, uh, reallocation, but not defunding. Well, I like what you just said. It's, it's kind of the mantra of my friend, Dan Cathy with Chick-fil-A, um, president and CEO of Chick-fil-A, you know, it's his second mile service and his faith, you know, it, it is pervasive throughout their entire, um, corporate mantra. And even, you know, to in, in the humanistic standpoint and secularist from the secular standpoint, even to their detriment sometimes, but second mile service, you know, is, it cannot be a detriment to anyone. Um, so I like what you said, forgiveness, you know, forgiveness is a key component. I wonder how many people are going to start adding that to their corporate mission statements, you know, that in order to heal and to move forward, we're going to have to forgive. Um, you know, another colleague of mine in the media, Tucker Carlson says, you know, reform in the, from the left side of the aisle normally means we're all going backward, you know? And so I think a good place to jump off and go forward is to start with forgiveness. So I like that you're implementing that. Where can people find out more about Hawk, uh, protection group? Uh, h-a-w-q-u-e.com <laughs> you okay. can definitely go to our website or uh, contact me through you directly for any questions awesome great chris rich thank you i appreciate you stay safe hey thank you stay safe all right guys you can find me at monica on air talk on twitter uh, itunes stitcher all those good things sign up for my newsletters at monicamatthews.com yes i do have a paypal campaign working uh you can find it on my twitter account i'll probably put it up on my facebook account as well um i thought you know what the hey everybody else is you know mad as hell and asking for and i'm not mad as hell by the way but i thought wow if 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 people can ask for money for you to fund these nefarious projects maybe it's not too far-fetched for me to say hey 
I have a very worthy cause to fund right now, which is me branching out on my own as a uh, very white, very conservative, very female media personality and someone who actually does honor uh, the truth and bringing clear talk to you. Uh, so you can find me on PayPal. It'll be on my Twitter feed. If you'd like to donate to my cause, I'm laughing because I just think it's funny that people find any old reason to ask for money. But my cause is very true, and I could definitely use your help. And thank you to those of you who have already uh, donated money on PayPal. I appreciate you, and is definitely going to a worthy cause to con- to keep my air my my air beneath my wings, uh, beneath my voice. Tomorrow is going to be an exciting day. You don't want to miss out on that. Dinesh D'Souza's wife Debbie joins me on the Monica Matthews Show. Uh, Life, love, and liberty. We're going to be talking about their new movie, The Trump Card. I'm really excited about that. You can find the trailer on my Twitter feed at Monica On Air Talk. Uh, We're going to talk about her life growing up in Venezuela, what that was like, what are some of the warning signs that we all see right now, Uh, how do we take our country back? Those are questions we're going to ask Miss. Uh, Mrs. D'Souza tomorrow. I'm excited about that. Great family, great patriots, so you don't want to miss out on that. So make sure you sign up for my podcast and share, 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 share my work. Remember, be good to your neighbor, beginning in your own mirror. And remember, if you're an American, act like one.